Hello, all you amazing moms. It's me, Michelle. And I know if you're dealing with divorce, it can be daunting. Trust me. But with HelloDivorce.com, you're not alone. They offer a refreshingly simple, affordable, and stress-free divorce alternative without skimping on the expert support you know you need for this crucial transition. Listen, whether it's straightforward separation or you're tackling complex legal and financial negotiations, Hello Divorce is going to ensure that you navigate from uncertainty to confident clarity. Their best-in-class five-star customer service team is your guide to setting up for success in this next chapter. Plus, come on, they're one of America's most innovative companies. Mention my name, Michelle, and they're going to treat you extra special. Don't wait, though. you got to start shaping your brighter future today. Visit HelloDivorce.com forward slash moms because moving on means moving up. We're in this together, babes. And with Hello Divorce, you've got the support to thrive. Moms, I know divorce can be really messy, but selling your engagement ring can actually be quick, easy, and stress-free with Worthy. Worthy uses their expertise, technology, and connections to get you the absolute most for your jewelry with no hidden fees. Plus, just for my audience, Worthy gave me a special offer to share. When you sell your jewelry through Worthy, you'll receive a $100 Amazon gift card when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. Ready to move on from your ring? Head to worthy.com slash moms to get started today. That's worthy.com slash moms for the special bonus offer. This week on Moms Moving On. I think the one thing that unites us in divorce is that you come out of it and you just have every negative feeling towards the person you're divorcing. And I'm just wondering, you know, I talk to women all the time and I hear about it, you know, My ex is such an asshole. He's such a narcissist, blah, 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 blah. But what is it from like the men's side? Like, how do you guys really feel about us at the end? Are we all, you know, borderline, crazy, psychotic or because all you guys say that stuff? Well, I think probably both sides say it. I will say a disclaimer, like there's this like phase right after your papers are signed. I think we all have this kind of like adrenaline. I moved out. I'm decorating my new apartment. I'm like, this is going to be good. You know, we're like, we're kind of on good terms in the beginning. And then like two weeks later, when your kids aren't with you or, you know, they're with me. And I am i can even remember a time like my then, now ex-wife was like on a girl's trip. And I had like a three-year-old with an ear infection at 4 a.m. And I got two other kids sleeping. And it was like, this is above my pay grade. I, I was like texting her like, where are you? Like, <laughs> help know. me. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm so excited because today we have a dad with us who you might know as Rob from WTF Divorce. If you're not already following the account, I suggest you do. There's a lot of funny stuff on there um, that, you know, if you don't feel comfortable sharing, you'll at least feel comfortable laughing at. You'll be like, wow, how relatable. Rob, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Michelle. Excited to chat with you today. I know. Um, I'm I'm happy to have you on the other side of the mic. I was in your hot seat recently, and now I have all sorts of questions for you. But first and foremost, I mean, 
WTF divorce is a really popular divorce account now. And it's funny. And I feel like it says a lot of the stuff I'm thinking, but don't necessarily share because I'm trying to keep things, you know, nice, but, um, but you do that for us. So thank you. We need that sometimes, but how did the whole account come to be? Yeah, it was kind of born out of like me searching for a fix to my problem. I had just gotten divorced in 2020, started the pandemic. And it's just like this knowledge gap where I was like, I don't know what is going on. My head is spinning. But I was finding accounts like yours. I found some podcasts online that I had no idea existed. And I was like, wow, there's really good stuff out there. Also stuff from guys, a lot of you know, admittedly got into it from like looking for dating help. That's how most guys get into the divorce uh, afterlife, I think. But yeah, I was like finding a lot of great content. (laughs) And I was like, uh, there needs to be more of this. People should know about Michelle Dempsey. And, you know, you could we all think we know all these things. But, you know, when you're just getting divorced, this is a whole new frontier. So I thought it'd be a neat way to kind of aggregate it, show people a little of this, a little of that. And my own personal spin, you know, I love comedy and making light of things. And, you know, this whole idea of like, what the F like is going on. I was like, there's got to be some blend where we can put this spin because this is what we're thinking. You're either crying about it, you're laughing about it. So let's let's talk about like the real feelings that's going on after divorce specifically. Yeah, and I agree. And I think we need that. We need we need to make light of it. And we also you know, when, when we see other people are commiserating and laughing at the same stuff, it's, you know, you feel so much less alone, but it's interesting to me because, you know, so many people come to me and they say, I have a lot of dads who follow me now. And they'll say, I know your account is for women, but it really helps me. And I think the advice is universal, even though we are the moms moving on brand, but there aren't enough dads out in the divorce space. So what made you, you know, want to be the dad in the divorce space? Was it your process in particular that, you know, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You can share well, whatever I, you uh, want. You know, my, I have an interesting background. I was a former professional Las Vegas poker pro, moved to a new city with my wife at the time. So I knew nobody in the Atlanta area. I was starting a new career or what was I going to do with my life? So I actually started a, a dad podcast and I was, you know, interviewed my friends about being a dad. And got some big guests. I got like Jesse Itzler on there, Pat Flynn, all these like amazing dads. And then I got divorced and I was like, dad is part of my life, but now divorce dad. And divorce was like the real pain point that I was like, man, this is wild. How like just like 24 seven, I'm thinking about this. So I was like, why don't I merge the two? That way, you know, I kind of selfishly do this as like, therapeutic you know i'm like i want to talk to other people i want to talk to other guys and every guy that i talk to which is a whole other conversation of how you even like connect with guys after divorce but we are as clueless as anybody i think moms (laughs) and women women have this kind of natural camaraderie they're talking about it guys we're like we're just thrown into the ocean and like okay go figure this out and you're a co-parent now and you're going to start dating now. Yeah. And, you gotta, and good luck with and, that. Yeah. And yeah. like, and good luck. And there's 82 uh, women mom accounts. I'm like, where are, you know, guys talking about this? They have to be out there. So I was just trying to kind of like piece it together and also share some of my story to uh, 
make other people feel like they're not the only ones going through this. Well, you know, the the old saying is that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, right? We're so different. But I think the one thing that unites us in divorce is that you come out of it and you just have every negative feeling towards the person you're divorcing. And I'm just wondering, you know, for, I talk to women all the time and I hear about it, you know, my ex is such an asshole. He's such a narcissist, blah, 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 blah. But what is it from like the men's side? Like, how do you guys really feel about us at the end? Are we all you know, borderline crazy psychotic or cause yeah, I feel like well, all you guys say that stuff. Well, I think probably both sides say it. I will say a disclaimer, like there's this like phase right after your papers are signed. I think we all have this kind of like adrenaline. I moved out, I'm decorating my new apartment. I'm like, this is going to be good. You know, we're like, we're kind of on good terms in the beginning. And then like two weeks later, when your kids aren't with you or you know, they're with me. And I'm, I can even remember a time like my then now ex-wife was like on a girl's trip. And I had like a three-year-old with an ear infection at 4am. And I got two other kids sleeping. And it was like, this is above my pay grade. I, I was like texting her, like, where are you? Like, <laughs> help me. And she's yeah. like, what's the matter? You sound like you're real. I'm like, of course, I'm losing my mind. Like, this is not easy. And I think mom's naturally you know there is a little bit i'm sure a little bit of like oh not so easy now is it but we are thrown into the fire and that does build a lot of uh there's a lot of resentment in the beginning that i think is natural that we talk a little bit about this i'm now at a point three years out it does dissipate a lot but yeah that beginning time I even remember like, oh, she's dating somebody. That was a real hit to my ego. And yeah. then you're thick and like, oh, must be nice. Or, uh, you know, wait till they find out about this about her. So there's a lot of those feelings that I would try to like, you know, read about on Instagram, on podcasts. Like, you know, you can only control yourself. And I'd be like rolling my eyes like, oh, yeah, that sounds real easy because you're just fueled by this all of these different feelings, this bitterness, this like kind of disconnect from them. That's the other piece you used to, even when you were together and it wasn't good, you would like be able to see each other's expressions. You'd be able to fight if you needed to fight. Now you have no visibility as to what they're, maybe you think they're out there having fun all the time. Maybe they're crying right. themselves to sleep and losing their mind too. So it's just this weird thing, this person that you had such a close relationship with now you have really like no insight into them. So of course you start spinning stories as to like, oh, they're just having a great time and this is yeah. so easy. And it's and like, I'm, you're like treading water. Yeah. And there's like no, no beach in sight. Like you're just out there in the middle of the ocean and you're not knowing which way to go. I, I remember that feeling too. It was like where I could have stormed into the living room and had a conversation with my ex about this thing that was pissing me off. Now I don't get that opportunity. So where does that go? I can totally totally relate. Um, you know, women tend to have, we have like this, this grieving process and I can so relate to that adrenaline rush. Like I remember like moving out, decorating my apartment, doing all those things. And then bam, Bella was hit with the flu. And I was like, Oh, and then I got sick and then we're both alone in my apartment. And I, I literally was like, this has to be how it ends. It was so bad, <laughs> but, um, that shit will humble you real quick, but we tend to grieve in very 
women-like ways. You know, we get sad, we watch sad shows, we sit in bed and drink a glass of wine. Like what was, what is the grieving like for a man? So a woman can understand it because something that's really important to me is helping my female clients not sympathize with, but empathize with their ex, because you have to understand that they also have their own experience that they need to process. Yes, I'll start off by saying I think men, at least personally, we do not really know how to grieve. We channel that into distractions for me. And I think a lot of guys, it's, you know, I'm going to hop on the dating apps and I'm going to meet somebody new. And uh, that, you know, can be an okay distraction, but it definitely like, if I were to sit, everybody's like, you just need to sit by yourself and just be alone and like, you know, be sad. And I even remember I was like, I couldn't even like, conjure up a tear. I couldn't, I was just like so closed off. I knew I needed to, but it was like, eh, I'll just like swipe here and go out with this one and you talk to this swiping. one. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is like, I see so, you. your, so your friends, my friends that are guys that I want to talk about, what do other guys know? Married guys. It's like, oh, awesome. You're, you're single now. You didn't want to be with her anyways. This will be for the best. Tell me about the dates you're going on. So you really have no like support system of people that are like, how are you really doing? Like, we should go talk. There was none of that coming in. So I didn't know how to do that on my own. So I kind of just postponed a lot of this, like this grieving process. And I think that's a really common thing for guys because we don't have other men. I actually, through the dating process, I will say I would meet uh, some girls that I became friends with. And we, you know, were able to share some things where I, I be, you know, started meeting more girls that way. So, yeah, it's a very confusing time where you're extremely isolated. You're sad, but you don't really know how to be sad. So you just kind of distract yourself with I'm going to go have fun. And I'm also going to be kind of angry that, you know, that victim mindset, that bitterness. Yeah. A lot of guys live in that bitterness I've I've seen. And just from conversations I've had with them, you know, at events or, or with clients, it's like a, it's a certain bitterness that I don't, women have like a different type of resentment. It's very interesting how like the male ego processes things versus the female and both sides can sit completely in their victim mindset, but there's like the victim mentality for the guy tends to be armed with so much more anger and vitriol from what I've seen. Mm. Well, I imagine, you know, every case is different, but there's the financial aspect of like, now this is hurting me way more financially, at least in our own minds. I'm sure statistics show women are worse off financially, despite what we think. But I think it's like the fact that we don't know how to express our emotions. So we kind of channel them into this bitterness because let's be honest, you hear you're around people that complain all the time and act like the victim. There's something, there's a hit that you get from it that gives you some kind of satisfaction. I don't, I don't understand it. I'm actually the person who I'm like, I, ne- I avoid complaining and venting to people sometimes because I never want to sound like that. I have like this thing where I don't want to be pitied and I don't want to be seen as the victim. But yeah, I mean, I think it's only natural when you feel you've been wronged to spend some time in that mindset for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine, of course, the ego part is huge uh, for men, especially if there was cheating going on. There wasn't in my case, but like if the woman cheated or if even the man cheated, there's guilt, there's all of these feelings. And I think there's a thing 
for men especially of like just being kind of exposed there's like an embarrassment of like this woman decided not to be with me so there must be something wrong with me and now i need to yeah. push that away and i'm going to overcompensate and it's just things that are like our logical rational brains you know we would tell somebody that's all crazy talk but when you're the one in it it's just you can't help it it's just like on loop in that first at least six months to a year, I think just keeps playing. Yeah. Well, I listen, everybody's egos are triggered to the max in divorce. And I think it's really interesting to hear about the male process and how you grieve, but you know, we come out and I've been honest with you and with everybody about this at the beginning of my split, I'm like, Oh, my ex is the worst and our divorce is the worst. And now in hindsight, I'm like so grateful that he was who he was and what he was, because we did not have the worst divorce and he is certainly not the worst and wasn't, but you feel that way in the moment. Mm -hmm. So like how long for you before you went from 12 out of 10, my ex is the worst to like, oh, all right, we're, we're pretty okay. Yeah. Well, uh, to go with that, you have no context of what uh, a different situation looks like. So it's all going to seem like the worst, right? Like yeah. I'm always like compared to what? I didn't know any other divorced co-parents going through it. Um, I think we like logistically, we had things pretty well figured out, even though, you know, we tried all the schedules. So that was frustrating. But first year was, I was just kind of capped at like a eight out of 10 frustration the whole time. Yeah. Um, I think a big factor of that for me personally, and I guess a lot of people go through this is relatively sooner, earlier than me, she was dating somebody and I was still dating. So she mm. had this kind of stability. You know, I even met the guy. It was cool. It was fine. It was good. But like, I'm going out with random people and having crappy first dates. And I was kind of jealous of the fact that not that somebody else was with her, but that she had a sense of normalcy in her life. Uh, eventually, I started dating somebody and that kind of evened it out. It took a lot of the edge off. But I think that's a factor as to like what's going on in their life, what's going on in your life. Um, that takes I think a while huge. to balance. Yeah. I think it's huge that you're able to admit that. I, I always say the person who starts dating first is like, and, and people ask me all the time, like, how long should I wait to date? And I'm like, as you could start whenever you want, but you have to know that it's going to incite some kind of rage on the other side, because the mm -hmm. person who moves on first, you know, is seen as I was the person who moved on first in my case as seen as callous and selfish and, you know, doesn't care, must not have cared about the marriage. So I absolutely can understand how it would bring up those feelings. And it's it's interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, do you are you still do you still want her? You still wish you were married? It's not that at all. It's like that my day-to-day -day life is now so different than and my kids are hanging out with somebody and they're having Sunday night dinner and I'm kind of just like winging it alone like some crazy bachelor that you know, it sounds a lot sexier <laughs> than it is in real life. So, right. It's that imbalance. Like we talked about having empathy for yeah. Uh, when you're dating somebody, when you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, and especially if the other person doesn't, you do need to kind of like toe that line, like understand that like they're not like jealous necessarily that uh, that other person's with you. It's that they have like kind of a calm in their life that the person that doesn't does not have. So that Right. And there's the perception of, of also the person who is not coupled up already feeling like they've been replaced. Like someone else just came in and took their position mm -hmm. or their job or, and, and 
that is empathy that so many of us, I, myself, you know, you don't, you don't know until you know, but I wish I saw it that way back then. Well, and even we don't even know the words to use. Like I remember the first time I met him or the first time I went to the school play where he was there and it was just like awkward. We didn't know what to say. So I always try to kind of like remember the easier when you're in the moment, your cortisol is flowing and you forget it. But even script out a little like, I know this is really awkward, you know, just show a little bit of empathy. I know this is like kind of weird understand that this is weird for the other person and try to at least like be cool about it instead of being like, oh, well, you were dating somebody and now I am because it's just gonna, you know, it just triggers these feelings that you really want to avoid, especially when you're around the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird enough for the kids and then having to then be in a situation where it's like, mom and dad are here. I kind of know they don't like each other. Now there's this new person. It's, it's, terribly awkward. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, I always advise to avoid the, uh, school and, and after school events, if you're a new person trying to make your way into the life as a stepmom or stepdad, because it just doesn't do anyone any good. Yeah, it's totally, but you know, and then we talk about like now we're three years in, we're going to the school play the other night. We're sitting next to each other. Like the kids are waving to us. It's like, we are like, proud of ourselves you know i'm like this is, i even say i'm like you know we're in the 95th percentile of uh you know divorced co-parents and yeah you know, i'm it's, there it's too and i can to tell you rob that. if you would have said to me six years ago that i'd be in that place all sitting together on the sidelines i would have told you you're out of your mm-hmm. balls but here we are in the 95th percentile and i think this is a testament to the fact that like things change and what's now is not forever and even in the moment, if you think this is the worst person, I can never co-parent with them. I hate them. They're awful. That subsides if mm-hmm. you let it, right? Like it's a choice. And I'm sure mm-hmm. at some point you realize like, I have to make the choice just like I had to make the choice. We all have to make the choice to sort of like let go of that part and just move forward. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize. I, I always, in the beginning, remember, you're listening to people that usually are a few years out. So you're getting advice that's just like you, intellectually you get, but it's like emotionally or not. You're like, well, you don't know what he's like. You know, it feels kind of dismissive. So I always think it's important to like recognize that like this is hard now. I used to feel like this. You're even allowed to feel like this, but just be open minded that it will dissolve and like be open to the fact that you guys might be different in a different situation. But like, allow yourself i think fighting that that first six months or a year of like i shouldn't be mad at them that kind of like exacerbates it in some ways so like let yourself be pissed but then also be willing to change and also like modify your expectations that's such a big part of our moving on method that we teach our you know the coaches that we train and work with our clients on is like that expectation of if we're going to be good co-parents, we have to be friends and we have to sit together at the soccer game and we have to speak to each other so kindly and with respect, like that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself in an already difficult situation. You know, if you can just stay in your lane and not be rude or not text back in a nasty way, sometimes that's enough. You don't have to force something that doesn't come naturally yet. Oh, absolutely. I always say like, even things like the transitions are always these weird moments where you've got the kids and they're excited to see the other parent you got to turn over all the stuff like those are things that i used to like 
try to hang around and make conversation. And it was okay. And it would quickly just like, I would start to get triggered by something or it would get weird. And I learned like, like you said, like, this is good enough. Be cordial. Keep it short. You know, if you go to a party together, maybe it is like, I'm going to do this for a little while, but then I know I'm going to get worked up. So have a exit strategy, have a yeah. friend, just like you said, you have to uh, lower and adjust your expectations because it's a new dynamic that like is very complicated. Yeah. And I think, you know, so many of us compare ourselves either to other people that we know or celebrities or what we see in the movies. And so much of that is like, so not real, like that, that ideal co-parenting that you have in your head of what should be is it, it really just has to be what works for you and your family and, you know, where you are emotionally and your mental health, right? Like in the beginning, if, if my ex and I were trying to force dinners every Sunday, like we'd both be falling apart. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. So what are your like top regrets of your divorce and co-parenting process Mm. thus far? Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting because I think you do have to make, I'm a big believer in like, you're going to learn from your mistakes. You're going to like, you have to go through a lot of this crap, like in Mm -hmm. the moment you wish you didn't, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, communication methods is something that I've like gotten a lot better at where I think like, even when you are like pretty amicable, like texting, where it can be just like, you're getting a lot of texts and it's like, you're very reactive that's something that I, you know, in hindsight and actually learn to like slow down, like let's switch this to email or let's only talk like this because uh, the constant communication, especially when you have kids can be very triggering for you or the other person. And you can easily, as you know, over text, say the wrong thing or like uh-huh. you mean something and they read it a different way. So it's like a and that's something I think you really do have to learn from a coach or other people that have been through it. It's like yeah, oh yeah. neutral ways to text your ex, even when it's not a fight um, to get. But it's also like accepting that you have to change the way you communicate, because if you continue communicating like you did when you were married, which is, you know, there's five communication styles. And usually somebody in the dynamic is going to be more passive or submissive. And the other person's going to be more aggressive. And then that's when you hear like, I don't even know, we should have just stayed married. I don't even know why we got divorced when we're still arguing like this. That's where you have to change the marital cycle of communication. And it's so hard. It's so hard for everybody. I remember you told me that actually, because we talk about like our schedule and our she is traveling for work a lot. And it's always like up in the air. I look at my schedule. It's like, uh, you know, I'm reading like some document that I can't even, you know, understand Monday, this day is Tuesday over here. 
and like communicating about that, right? There's, it's just such a new way of communicating that you have no experience with. So you have to kind of give yourself some grace as to like, this is a lot. I don't fully understand this. The other person, let's be honest, uh, isn't always listening to like divorce podcasts. So they might not have the same uh, sensitivity to it. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a good idea to like send your ex like, hey, you should go listen to this Michelle podcast. It'll really help because they right. might roll their eyes at you and say, oh, right. yeah, you know everything there. Right. Um, so, yeah, just like know that it's going to be complicated and like try something. And when it doesn't work, be like, eesh, that that went over badly. I'm going to like try and remember that and not text them this thing this time. So uh, expect a lot of uh, mistakes and doing wrong and just be willing to be a little flexible with the way you communicate. Yeah, that flexibility is huge. And understanding that um, if somebody is being, if is not communicating the way you want them to, you can't control that. Like, you know, like you were saying before, you can, can only, you can only control yourself. So the more you show up like the person you want your co-parent to be, at least you can lay your head down at night knowing that you've done it the right way. You are breaking the cycle of communication that needed to change. And you're taking a step towards creating what this new relationship is going to be like. And I think you can even see it. Like uh, all you can do is like, it's kind of what we do for our kids. We can only like model what we want them to do. But like, for example, when you get that like long email, that's just ranting and whatever, and you can respond with like, okay, sounds good. And if you do that a few times, you even like read, we all read back emails because we want to see like, oh, what did they say here? You want to show somebody else. If you can see that they're doing something that you don't like, but you're able to control yourself and the way you respond, that'll start to build some confidence as to like, huh, maybe I did have it together. And maybe when they see that for the eighth time, uh, they'll start to say, okay, maybe it's not worth writing uh, them an essay. And I can just be like, all right, got it. I love when a client will reach out to me and be like, oh my God, I did it. I went the whole day without responding and nothing happened. Or... I used a Biff response and I kept it brief, informative, firm, and friendly. And like the world didn't fall apart. I'm like, you see, and it does inspire that confidence. And that confidence is so important for so many reasons. It just kind of teaches you that you don't have to live in the mindset that the other person is living in and that they may want you to live in. You can, you can become your own person after this, after all. Yeah. It gives you a feeling of confidence because you're like, they are spewing this stuff at me. I'm I don't like it, but here's how I respond back. And that it's like a muscle that you develop where you're just like deflecting stuff. Got it. Okay. Sounds good. Can't do that. Would it be a problem if you took this day? And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm figuring this out. So, so, so true. We're figuring it out. How many years out are you now? Three. I think, I, uh, I don't know. Do I send a card? I think it's like my divorce anniversary here this month. So it's, is it? uh, it's Mine a, good, is... a good third year. Mine's coming up in June. I'll be officially divorced for five years apart for six. Wow. And it's, yeah. uh, is, does it feel a lot different, uh, you know, than year one, year two, year four? Two years ago, we got to a place of acceptance and connection, you know, just in terms of our child. And in the last year or so since... I, I don't know, since it, 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 we're in a place of like love, like we can accept that, like we hate each other. We love each other. We made this person. We just want to do what's right for her. You know, my, 
my daughter's father sees the trauma that I experienced because of my parents' divorce and would never want that for Bella. And so we're on the same page with that. And it's really amazing to get to that place. Yeah, I even say, and you know, my ex uh, appreciates it. Like, I'm like, well, we're family, you know, we're not married. We and and look, a lot of times families are kind of dysfunctional. So it's like, it's not that uh, crazy that we're uh, trying to coexist in this weird dynamic. It's actually probably a lot healthier than us all being under one house. That's the one yep. thing people mistake. They're like, oh, I wish we were just married. I was like, how did that work out for you when you were actually in that? Like, you're comparing it to something that never even existed. So like, if you can find a way for this to work better, uh, maybe that is a, a much better setup for your family. I think it's a blessing. I think, you know, our divorce brought out the worst of each other and then eventually the best and, you know, nothing good comes easy, but we did it. You did it. I, I believe truly anybody can do it. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh God, these two talking about how good it is, you're going to get there because there was a point where we didn't think we ever could. Rob, do you have any last words for our listeners today? Well, especially if there's any guys out there, uh, you are not the only ones going through this. This is extremely just, I think it's very isolating to go through divorce. So reach out to other people. It's annoying because unfortunately you have to be the one usually to initiate to your friends. They probably don't get it. Uh, it's a, one reason that I'm a big believer in like, and I never would even use social media four years ago even, but like find an account like yours, find an account like WTF Divorce where you can just kind of like, you know, lurk a little, see what other people are talking about. You're gonna isolate yourself, but like if you can find ways to connect with other people, it makes the divorce experience a lot, a lot lighter. So, you know, reach out, send me a, a DM and just say, you know, man, I'm going through it right now. I appreciate what you're going through. So, uh, yeah, that's all I can say is like, don't do it alone. No, you can't do it alone. It's it's the confidence that comes from finding one other person that gets it is huge. So like he said, follow me, follow WTF Divorce, follow whoever it is that you really connect with in this divorce space, because that alone will help. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my Moving On Method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, Certified Divorce and Co-Parenting Specialist, and I founded the Moving On Method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. 
I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.